Hello and welcome back to Identity Architects, the podcast that spotlights pioneers in our industry who are changing the way that data is used to power better customer experiences. I'm your host, Ben Cicchetti, and for this episode, our enterprise sales manager, Kate Blacksill, sat down with Patrick Zinger, media, data, and technology lead at Heineken UK, to discuss the value exchange, retail media, first-party data, and much, much more. Before we jump into that conversation, just a reminder to hit that subscribe button so you know when the latest episodes of Identity Architects land. But without any further delay, here's Kate's chat with Patrick. Hi, Patrick. Welcome to the podcast. I'm super excited to have you today on Identity Architects. For anyone who doesn't know you, can you give us a quick intro to Patrick Zinger and Heineken? Um, Who are you and what do you do? Okay. Uh, Hi. Uh, Thank you, first and foremost, for having me on the podcast. Super excited to be taking part. Um, So I work at Heineken, specifically within the marketing team, and I sit in the uh, media planning and activation team. So we look after all things planning across all of our brands. My role in particular is the automated media digital activation MarTech uh, lead. So it's quite a worthy uh, and lengthy one and it encompasses a variety of different things. So not just uh, looking after our digital in-house team and making sure we're activating uh, as cost efficiently as possible, as uh, just efficiently as possible in general, but it also has an element to it where I look after our first-party data, uh, integrating that into our act activations, but also proving the value of what we could do above and beyond just having people's data in our systems. Uh, And obviously, and that falls MarTech Solutions, which is why I have uh, multiple conversations with you guys and other partners in this realm. Nice. Just a small remit then. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, hopefully you've got lots of knowledge then um, that you can share with us today. But to start off, we wanted to kind of ease you in with some fun, quickfire questions so our listeners can kind of find out a bit more about you. Um, Number one, what is your earliest memory of advertising? Right. Uh, This is a difficult one uh, because I have very, very short term memory in general. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) But I'll top of my head. uh, It's probably and it's a Guinness ad and I know I work for Heineken, not meant to say anything in regards to a competitor but uh this one uh every time someone asks me what's your favorite ad of of all time this one always comes into memory and it's the guinness surfer ad um and i just remember it because it was i think it was like almost two minutes long very very detailed the voiceover was absolutely amazing and it really I guess took the whole storytelling part of advertising in in into actualization. Like I really felt as though, even though I'm really really young and probably shouldn't be looking at that particular TV <laughs> at a stage in my memory, where I thought, wow, that's a really really good ad. All shot in black and white. I had the I call them the Lloyd's Lloyd's Bank horses in the background, 
but yeah, so that's that's my favorite favorite ad. Uh, note to self when doing a podcast, don't drink a coffee and swallow dust at the same time. <laughs> it's all good. I think it's interesting <laughs> on that question that nearly everyone answers it based on the TV ad. Yeah. Which is definitely what comes to mind first for me as well. Although I was also thinking about this and I think the Argos catalogue. Um, oh, right. You could think about, I remember like getting that every year and being super mm. excited. I guess that falls into a slightly different remit, but yeah, definitely one of my earliest memories. Yeah, I mean, is print, print still a thing? Like that's still going well, on, right? Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> I mean, those big print ads, I guess it's all about branding, right? Um, yeah. But yeah, definitely, I think TV advertising for me as well is what resonates. Mm. Um, or video advertising, I guess, nowadays. Yeah. Um, Around that, kind of what was your first job then in either advertising or marketing? Uh, yeah, of course. Um, I'm going to be very boring. Like my my uh, history has probably just been digital digital advertising. And my first job, uh, very luckily to, to get this role as well, was at Mindshare. And I was an account exec, digital account exec, looking after all things Unilever. Uh, favorite brand at the time was was Lynx and, and Magnum. Uh, so it was kind of like a, a dream come true for me. Um, and all I was doing at that particular uh, time was uh, in charge of the ad serving. So I'd download all of the tags from the ad server at the time was Sismic, uh, previously known as Media Mind. Uh, and I would send it to our publishers and just make sure through some, you know, 24-hour testing, oh, what a tag is working, not working. And then I do the analytics and reporting. So a very, uh, I, I guess the day-to-day was a little bit boring. But the dream was to get into more of the planning side of things. And my account manager at the time, uh, who looked after Lynx as uh, her main brand, was just very inspirational. And I just always thought to myself, that's going to be me one day. I'm going to turn around a you know 500k plan for a Lynx advert and be able to tell you know friends and family, oh yeah, I'm, I'm part of that. I actually helped create it. So yeah, definitely uh, worthwhile. And it helped obviously steer me towards my career now still in in digital more into the still into the, the tech side of things as as well and um a long-standing relationship with programmatic and um digital buying yeah i mean it sounds like you've had kind of great day-to-day experience right in the nitty-gritty of sort of campaign management which is always a good place to start yeah well. yeah I, I was doing i always tell people i, I was doing social before social was was the thing or before facebook at least was the thing which obviously uh shows a bit my my age but to see the transformation of digital and where it's come from to where it's going now is kind of one of the reasons why you know i love my job i love what i do and all the different iterations throughout the years i've been working in the industry it's been a massive learning curve and every year is different every year something new comes into into place and um it's still exciting now as it was when i when i initially started yeah i completely agree with that i mean i'm still learning every single day which mm. makes our industry super exciting right um, knowing what you know now, what would you say to yourself when you started your career? Uh, ask for a pay rise, <laughs> <laughs> and it's 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 such a it's such a weird weird thing because I feel like 
when you come out of university, you're just so, so happy that you've got a job to begin with. And I remember you know, I was living in, in London, um, living with like six other guys in Angel, uh, sharing wow. a flat. <laughs> nice. And this was before Angel was a thing. I'm sorry, it wasn't nice <laughs> at all. Angel, um, I'm not sure if I can swear, but yeah. Angel wasn't the best place to essentially live. And it was really close to, to Shoreditch, so still really good, really vibrant, uh, good party area. But where I, where I stayed was an absolute dump and I was on I think 15k at the time uh seems like ages ago uh and in in reality uh I guess one of the things that I'd say to my younger self is that you know you you can go 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 home when time is up when you've done as much as you can do in a in a in a day you know take back some of those hours and venture out make more friends than you currently have have now because life is not work work does not equal life um so yeah definitely have a better work-life balance is what i tell my my younger self and get paid more yeah that's great advice (laughs) i mean i think like yeah thinking back to my first job similar to yours the pay was not great but i do think hopefully things have come on a bit now i think grads are paid yeah a bit more um but yeah great advice um, what do you love about what you do right now and the industry that we're in? Um, what I what I love is every every day is is genuinely. I know everyone probably says this all of the time when they're talking about their career, etc. But genuinely, within digital or just advertising in general, within media in in general, in marketing as well, every day is literally different. I wear so many hats um i learn con- consistently and i guess the plan is to and it always will be to never be the smartest person in the room so you can ensure you're always learning from from others around you and i've picked up so many talents and skills uh and there's just such a massive drive within the industry to keep people learning and previously before where the digital team were kind of sectioned off to you know a corner of the room you know which was like dim, mm-hmm. dimly lit uh and every now and then someone will ask you if you knew how to fix their computer or how to work excel because they assumed digital means all things digital yeah. uh tech included uh now we're kind of at you know the, the forefront of uh, the change in in trends whether that be identity or technology and the implications that could potentially have on us as human beings and culture, et cetera. So it's just exciting to be at that, uh, at the forefront of all of those changes because, you know, when Facebook or Twitter or anyone else wants to talk about developments within their apps, when TikTok comes into place, you know, we're at the forefront of those conversations before it even goes to the public. And that's a cool thing to you know feel as though you're having a significant um input into the change and direction that our industry head heads towards so that's what i like about the the role in the industry yeah 100 percent um one of the things you mentioned just then actually interestingly was identity we're obviously obsessed within the advertising industry of this concept of identity, mm-hmm. the ability to identify individuals across devices and platforms. Yeah. Um, but this is a tricky question, but how would you explain the term identity to a 10-year-old? <laughs> uh, we, we have this thing internally um, 
the grandparent test uh, mm. because we can be so complicated, especially when it comes to to media. There's so many acronyms, and yeah. we sometimes over complicate uh, telling the, the simplest things. So our uh, grandparent test here is how do we simplify terms so it's less technical and more to the point so anyone can understand it and I'm not going to say that I have a hundred percent nailed it <laughs> as, as as of yet but the way I'd explain it to a 10 year old is anything that makes you you um, is what I'd regard as I, I identity which is a large bucket um but that's what identity is right it could mean anything and everything to one person and nothing to to another depending on uh, how you how you see it so yeah oh i really like that description perfect um in terms of i guess your job or, mm-hmm. or stuff to do with the industry i mean it can be something outside of your job but um is yeah. there anything kind of in particular um, that I guess keeps you awake at night in terms of changes in the industry, um, challenges, etc. cetera? Uh, change, change is good. Uh, change keeps us, keeps us young, keeps us on top of everything. So, uh, and I actually sleep really, really well. If you ask my fiance, uh, she'd moan and complain about the fact that I sleep too, too well. Uh, straight away I get into bed and that's it. I'm out like a light. Um, <laughs> but I, I, would, I would say one thing in the, the industry that um, causes more and more con- concern is I, I still don't feel as though we've really got the mix of creativity and data and how we align the two because what what we don't want to do or what at least from my perspective you never want to happen is for data to override creativity or to suck the life out of creativity because i still believe we can create amazing stories uh about our brands uh and data should be utilized as you know how do we enhance those stories and make them more relevant to different consumer sets because uh, that's well, that's how I've always seen um, marketing and advertising is uh, a way to better understand people and to bring us closer to people and culture and have uh, an idea of, you know, how do we change and move that in the right direction? So, uh, yeah, that's what it's, it's, it's difficult sometimes when we are working with a variety of different creative agencies and we want to make sure that everything is in alignment and their objectives sort of matches ours um, in regards to the media and data team. Uh, so that, that doesn't necessarily keep me awake at night, but it's definitely a watch out of, you know, how can we be better at, at, at doing that and showcasing uh, how creativity drives uh, more value to, to our business. Cool. And would you say that that sort of personalization piece or ability to drive change is one of the things that kind of inspires you within your job? Or are there, is there something else that um, I guess is really kind of an inspirational driver for you? Yeah, driving cultural change. Yeah, exactly that. That's why I stayed uh, in the industry despite you know, multiple uh, opportunities previously in the past to, 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 to leave. Um, I feel like whenever I've moved jobs, uh, for example, it's always been because I'd have the opportunity to make a larger impact in the next role. And by larger impact, it, it is looking at, you know, how can we change culture for the better? And how can we not necessarily just inspire 
uh, ourselves, but inspire the people we're reaching out to with these stories that we're creating? And how do we bring voices that aren't necessarily uh, given a mic to uh, talk about their own stories? How do we embed those in ours as well and bring that more to life in a fun, engaging and creative way? So yeah, definitely something of, of inspiration. Oh, amazing. I think that's a great way to kind of think about your job and your career path, definitely. Mm. Um, okay, last sort of fun question before we kind of dive into more of the educational stuff, you could say. Um, but if there was a song that was a soundtrack to your life, what would it be? Uh, <laughs> this is a, a, a difficult one. Um, but the first sort of thing that goes into my head, and it's probably based on feedback that I've had from a variety of different colleagues, is uh, is that Lionel Richie song, um, I think it's Easy. Uh, where he talks about being easy like Sunday morning. Um, <laughs> I've, I've always just had the, the mantra of, you know, and people have probably said this multiple times, right? We're not saving lives. Uh, and sometimes things go wrong and change happens all of the time. And it's always around, you know, taking a breather and reevaluating uh, everything and trying to ensure that you're actually heading towards the right path. So re-examine what you're, what you're doing, take a breather, take a step out away from everything and then approach it again when you're of better sound mind. So I try to encourage that throughout my team, throughout colleagues that I reach out to. I'm very chilled in, in, in general, I'm very relaxed in my approach and I don't take things too seriously because you know life's life's too short and you know um we work in an industry that is very creative that is very in, engaging and we're doing a lot of cool fun stuff um so why not take a breather and enjoy and remind yourself that you know this is what we do as an industry and it's amazing to actually be part of something huge and massive and when you think you know heineken is a big global brand which has you know multiple entities and multiple brands we look after to be part of that brand's journey and to know I'm in a team that's creating these amazing pieces of work it's it's such a cool thing and you sometimes have to remind yourself you're doing great work um, rather than focusing on the negative and the, the crap that comes comes with Oh, I absolutely love that. We'll definitely be um, listening to that after the recording. <laughs> and so, yeah, trying to follow that mindset. I think that's really great advice. Um, so now we know kind of a bit more about you. I guess it's time to get down to the topic-related questions. Mm -hmm. I'm definitely excited to hear what you have to say, particularly due to your experience kind of, well, working now at Heineken, a CPG brand, but obviously... You've also mentioned Unilever in the past, so I'm sure you've got yeah. some kind of cool things to say. Um, I think we can all agree that first-party data is obviously an integral part of marketing strategies of today and tomorrow. Mm -hmm. But that's easier said than done for some brands. Um, how are CPGs like Heineken, first of all, collecting first-party data? Um, and how have you, I guess, been collecting this data and more insights around your consumers? Yeah, I mean, we're, we're, we're still on our own journey um, in terms of, you know, really realizing um, the impact uh, that first party data uh, acquisition can actually have on 
planning for the future, right? Um, everything that we do is all about the consumer and having the consumer at the heart of everything that we do. And the best way to essentially do that is to speak to them directly. And that could be one-to-one communications through your own platforms, social platforms, for example, any of your owned assets. Or it could be through surveys, etc. And the best way for us to collect that data is understanding our consumers more, understanding the value exchange more than anything else. So whatever we do, we try to bring it back to the audience because each of our brands uh, have different audiences, different demand spaces that they focus on. And what we try to do is go, okay, if you're a sports enthusiast, we need to really understand what is important to you as a sports enthusiast when it comes to value exchange. Is it experiences? Are you more happy to provide us your first party data, for example? If we have on offer, for example, tickets to the cricket or tickets to F1, tickets to the football, etc. Or if we're looking at it from a Heineken Silver perspective, which is targeting a younger demographic, Are you more interested in festivals, in music, in creating experiences at home? We we have to look at all aspects of our consumer that we're trying to engage with and really get to grips with, okay, what can I give you as a brand that goes above and beyond just the functional needs, right? So we're an alcohol brand, we produce beverages, uh, you know, really good quality beverages, I have to say, with my Heineken hat on, but we, the whole point of our existence is creating good times for consumers so we need to go above and beyond just going here's a competition you know sign up you know um and you might be in with a chance of winning something don't know yet but please give us your your data it needs to be who is their consumer what do they actually want from us what what is our purpose within their day-to-day lives and how can we enhance their day-to-day lives by providing those experiences and those uh gifts or whatever you want to call it that get them to think of us in a much better scenario because the best way to grow our brands is by creating that consumer love and making them think of us as not just brands that they have every now and then but brands that align with their values that provides them uh like i said above and beyond just their 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 functional needs cool so based on all of that um I guess, information. Are there, is there any kind of specific learnings or best practices um, that you'd be happy to share for kind of other brands looking to start their first party data strategy? Yeah, um, get consultants in. <laughs> uh, I, I feel like it's one of those things where you need to have an outside view. Um because as brands, we're very good at you know giving ourselves kudos and going, oh, we can do this and solve this issue ourselves. And sometimes it's good to have someone uh, on the outside in, looking looking from the outside in, who understands this space a little bit better than than you do from an in-house perspective. Who can give you a, a point of view about what other brands within your industry and outside of your industry are actually doing. And also who's able to give recommendations based on that view. So it's not, oh, this is what's best for us to essentially do, but it's this is what 
they believe is best for us to do based on all of the information that they sort of have to, to hand. And before you start that process, I guess you need to ask yourself the question as to what is our purpose as a brand? You know, what, why do we need first party data? Like what value can we actually provide and give to our consumers? And look at, you know, what value does it give us back as a business by having and holding that information? Why do we need it? What will it tell us about our consumers and how does it help us moving forward? Um, so those questions need to be be answered. And the best thing you can do when it comes to first party data is get everyone involved, all the stakeholders, the relevant stakeholders involved. And that's not just legal, that's procurement, that is your consumer intelligence team, and that is your, your brand teams, that's your global, if you're a global business, etc. Get everyone involved in the conversation so they understand and know because it's a massive cultural shift, right? Thinking consumer first, thinking about acquisition, first party data, insights, how can that actually help build our brands? You all need to be aligned and taken on that journey collectively together. Um, so those are some of the best practices that I would um, give to, to other brands looking to start this journey. Yeah, I think that's really great in terms of um, what you've shared and it's probably sort of in line with what I would say as well from the experience I obviously have working yeah. with brands from a data clean room perspective, I think it's um, the difference between the brands and where they're at within their first party data journey is vast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and probably, as you said, getting in experts who can help is definitely something that would help to make the process easier. Uh, so yeah. really good advice. Um, I guess this is a another sort of CPG specific question, but outside yeah. of the obvious collaboration partners, such as grocers, mm -hmm. who else would you like to collaborate with? Um, and what opportunities do clean rooms and data collaboration platforms offer CPGs, whether you've got lots of first party data or not? Yeah, um, collaborate with everyone. <laughs> yeah. um, having loads of different uh, viewpoints, of your consumer because you know ev everyone's different and they engage with a multitude of different things um, outside of their day-to-day the -day that we might not necessarily be privy to. Um, so from our perspective in terms of what we do from a Heineken point of view is we look at all of our partnerships so that's not just our partnerships with our retailers of our pubs etc but we also look at media partnerships you know, who do we want to work with and how could we leverage their audiences and their data as well uh, to make us better understand our consumers and their consumption of media. We look at um, partners like your ITVs, your uh, VOD partners uh, across the board, YouTube, Google, Facebook, and we have those conversations with with them on, you know, how can we leverage data better, more effectively, more efficiently? Um, from my perspective, uh, perspective, because I am in activation, I'm always thinking, could we actually utilize first party data to enhance what we're currently doing? Because we've done multiple tests that show there is a value 
um, that gets given back to the business, whether that's better efficiencies or better engagement. When you speak to consumers who know your brand, who love your brand and have said, yes, I want to hear from you and I want to talk to you because I uh, previously have engaged or I've given you my information previously, media tends to work out significantly better. So from my perspective, anyone you have a conversation with part of that conversation needs to be what can we do from a data perspective with you as a as a partner and I think um, that's essentially what uh, clean rooms and data collaboration platforms like Infosum pro provide it's you know can we start this conversation and get our partners involved in those conversations about how do we leverage data and what platform should we use that is you know GDPR compliant that ensures we're thinking consumer first that ensures that we're getting some form of insight off the data that we're getting, not only just matching and saying, oh yeah, there's a propensity of our audience on your platform, which helps us validate whether or not that partnership was actually a, a good partnership to begin with. But it also shows us, okay, what do they actually consume from the media perspective? How often, what's the cadence? Uh, and what should we talk to them about? Because if I know, with one of our media partners like ITV, you're really into, you as an individual are really into drama and that's what you view and that's what you watch. Then I can think about, okay, what's the best value proposition for this particular consumer that we know will go really well. So their experience of our brand is more personalized to them. So like I said, from my perspective, literally anyone and, and everyone, when you're on this data journey, ask the question, what, do you, what are you guys currently doing with your first party data? How can we engage with you? And what learnings could we share so we as partners can grow on that journey together? Yeah, that's great. I mean, I think from a marketer's perspective, there is always always a benefit to finding out more about your customers yeah and yeah looking to kind of collaborate outside of the box is definitely one of the ways that you can find out more about your consumers like different attributes etc so yeah yeah definitely sounds good um going back to the sort of i guess retail media piece mm -hmm. retail media is obviously a super hot topic right now everyone is talking about it um It'd be really interesting to hear what your thoughts kind of are on the status quo, the challenges mm -hmm. and the opportunities uh, that retail media offers. Yeah, I, I remember literally four, four years ago, I uh, was interviewing at Dun, Dunhumby uh, at the yeah. time. And I remember looking into, uh, so they gave me like a, a brief and um, a description of where they wanted to be in the next, next five years. And I was so impressed. I just thought to myself, wow, like this, this is the future. This is literally the future of advertising, at least from, from a CPG perspective, is showing the value of brand advertising driving revenue. It's that measurement piece that's always been missing. It's always been, we've done some brand advertising, there's been an increase in sales utilizing, you know, all the data scientists and all of these numbers. And we assume that this is the result of what we've done. But having a match for email address of a consumer, matching club card data, saying they saw an ad, saying they were they went onto the site within a two-week period, and there's been an incremental increase of sales and revenues that can be directly attributed to your campaign is great for a marketer. I can take that into a meeting and say, look, brand advertising works, and there are numbers behind it, not just uh, loads of... Um, long-term 
reviews of XYZ plan that we put together five five years ago. We're finally seeing the benefits of that. It's right now I can show you the performance and the incremental revenue driven by our activation. At the time, I thought amazing. Um, but it's taken them a while to get here. Uh, I feel like we are we are currently there now. Uh, what Tesco is doing is and Dunhamby with in partnership with Dunhamby has been absolutely amazing. Uh, Sainsbury's and Nectar are heading towards the same direction as well, and everyone's being more open. I think that's essentially it. Was very yeah. difficult in the past when you're speaking to not only you know retail partners but also media partners and talking to them around. You know what can we do with your data? It was very hush hush. It was very much this is our data. We're never going to show it to you because it's valuable to us because we know it's valuable to you. Uh, whereas now you know you're having those conversations quite openly, and everyone wants to give you access. And so, you know, we, we want to extend our partnership and these conversations are being had more frequently as well. So I feel like we're in a much better position now, better than we've ever been. And I'm excited to see what the the, the future holds in regards to this. Uh, still, a lot of, you know, technology is, is going to be technology and it takes time to get it 100% right. Uh, measurement again is still our main challenge and making sure everything's in in place and set up correctly on our side as well as the the retail side so, side of things um, so technology is still a little bit behind where the uh, ambition uh, is in regards to this but there are so many opportunities when it comes to having that conversation with retail partners because they're so open now more so than they've been before yeah, 100%. And I think you mentioned the big players like Dunhumby and Nectar, but we're obviously seeing more and more retailers starting mm. that journey. So, yeah, the opportunity can only grow. Yeah. Um, I guess you mentioned some of the specific challenges kind of within retail media, but are there any sort of overarching ones you see within our industry as a whole in terms of data collaboration and data privacy? Uh, it's technology. <laughs> it's it's. All, I mean, we've been having the conversation ourselves in in regards to some of the issues we we've had, and most of us uh, traditional businesses, um, which I can say Heineken is, are a little bit slow slow moving. Um, not as agile as um, we we'd like to be, especially when it comes to making decisions around data. Um, it is difficult because. As I mentioned before, we're at the start of this journey, right? We don't have anything perfect. I'd be lying if I said we've got a perfect architecture of data coming in, going out, how often we use it, the insights we gather from it. We're not there, but we have a roadmap and we're starting that process and going towards the right direction. And sometimes you've really got to look at your whole MarTech, MarTech solutions that you have in place and figure out what works, what doesn't work, which platforms speak to each other in a coherent way mm -hmm. because the data and how we formalize it in one platform could be completely different to how it's set up in another. So we've had to do a lot of work on our side and that, that takes time to get it to a point where everyone's happy because the analytical side of the fence is probably the most important reading and understanding that data once you actually have it all in one one place and once you're working with different partners and getting their data in as well pulling out actual insights is is, is difficult um especially when it comes to how do we then use this data we've got so much and so many different elements to consumers how do we then 
use this to formulate a plan for the future, to create campaigns of the, the future, so we can actually truly say we are a data-first advertiser, a first-party consumer-led data-first ad advertiser, which, again, it just, it just takes time. I think that's the biggest challenge, is getting all of the technologies to essentially speak the same language, um, which takes time. I think that's an interesting point. I was actually talking to one of my colleagues earlier today saying that I think um, in terms of, I guess, data collaboration, tech adoption within the industry, one of the things um, that I think affects that across the industry really is how advanced, going back to my previous points, but how advanced brands are or data owners are in their first mm. party journey. And part of that also is yeah around their martech stack and kind of yeah. how they can connect internal resources yeah and all, all these things cost money <laughs> and um you know let, let's, let's not be around the bush you need to invest a lot in this it, it, it can't be a half-assed um uh, project you, you really need to go okay this tech needs to be in place for us to ensure we're doing it the right way and to ensure that we're not wasting money on things that just inevitably won't won't work, um, which takes again time to build those solutions and really come to come into building something that is relevant for the entirety of the business that you can then go back and also showcase the value because every you know every marketer has to go back to the business and say what we've done the projects that we pulled together this is the value that it's created and sometimes when it comes to first party data it's very difficult to prove value um if you don't have like revenue attached to it and say yeah we've increased by x amount percent etc it's very hard to get everyone on board which goes back to my point previously before you need to get all stakeholders involved in this conversation, yeah. thinking the same way in alignment, knowing that it's going to take time and it's going to cost. And this is where we want to be and this is where we want to get to, but we need everyone invested in it. Otherwise it just won't work and you're setting yourself up for failure. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Um, trust is obviously a big part of our business at InfoSum. What are some of the things that you think need to change and how can we as an industry together redefine our relationship with each other? Yeah. Um, you know, everyone always talks about, you know, black boxes and all that sort of fancy, fancy stuff. But for, for me, it's, you know, transparency. That's the, the biggest thing, right? That's all marketers ever want is knowing the, the the money that I'm giving this product, this technology, this partner, um, what's actually doing? Where's it going? How's it being utilized? How much are going towards fees, people, blah, 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 all of that sort of stuff. I think the more transparency you provide your partners and the more open they are to having those conversations, the more we're able to actually trust uh, all of our partners because the relationship is based on trust in general whether that's media relationships or you know personal relationships at home if that doesn't exist then there's no way that relationship can can grow and we of course are going to work with more with partners or invest more with partners that provide that transparency that allow us to look uh, beneath the hood and see how things work how does this 
how does this technology actually work? Can we get into grips with that? Can we have access to the platforms ourselves? Can we pull our own data and reports, etc.? Can we match it with other data sets? Will you be able to work with another partner outside of uh, what we're currently doing now? And the ability to be open and transparent and at least be open to have those conversations. I think we, when we talked about retail media and you mentioned some of the smaller retail partners are also you know, making their own mark uh, within the space, I completely agree with that. And sometimes it is much easier working with a smaller partner because they're a bit more receptive to change and they're a bit more happy to just go, yeah, let's try it, let's test it. I haven't done it before, mm-hmm. don't know if it's going to work, um, probably don't even have the resource right now to do it completely the best way possible, but at least as a starting point, and at least we're having those conversations, and they're very, very happy to just go, let's try it, let's test it, let's see what, what happens, and let's go on that journey collect- collectively together, and from our perspective, that just means to us, we should be doing more with this partner we should invest more we should help grow their solutions etc which essentially will help grow their business and then in turn that benefits us as a partner because we can start having further conversations around commercial commercialization and what does that mean for both of us and how do we both grow as, as i mentioned before so yeah a lot a lot of things can happen by just being open and it opens a lot of uh, doors in general when it comes to going above and beyond your current partnership with, with with that partner. Yeah, I mean, that sounds like a mantra everyone should follow. I'm not yeah. sure everyone <laughs> does at the moment. Um, yeah. I think as well, I know we always say that, especially when it comes to customer data, right, you should always be able to legitimately yeah. answer like the question, what's happening with this data? So transparency obviously enables you to be able to do that yeah exactly um i guess when it comes to sort of the future of data collaboration and privacy do you have any specific predictions as to what you think um that's going to look like kind of where do you see the industry in the next five to ten years um it's it's a it's a difficult one because we're we're such a slow-moving industry right I think it's it's just stopped being the year of the mobile, uh, <laughs> like last last year or whatever. Um, I think we, we we talk a lot and we say we're going to do these amazing large, big things, but no one really thinks about okay, is the right technology in place? Do we have the right people in place, upskilled, um, so they know and understand they can hit the floor running and actually provide and create these tools that we need to to have in place. I think. My only pr- prediction is the fact that first-party data is going to be more prominent um, just as, as an element within an organization, within the, the, the structure. Um, those CRM leads that were previously shunned before are going to have significantly much more importance to a, a business. Uh, data science and your insights team will have to get to grips with the surveys that they're actually collecting from their own first party data. So it's focusing less on the external partners who are looking at their own panel based data and focusing more on, okay, what do we know about our audiences now and actually purchase our brands and have said to us, we want you to talk to us. We want to build your brands of the future. 
So there's a big part of it that will be focused on innovation and where do we next go in terms of the new brands of the future that we can create together with our consumers. Um, retail media is obviously huge now, and that's, again, going to be a bigger slice uh, of the pie in the next um, few years. Uh, and hopefully legal teams will be more on, on, on board. I think everyone's, everyone's learning. We're all at the point mm-hmm. where we're trying to learn what's the best process to put in place to ensure everyone is upskilled to a, a, a good level where they get and understand and are on board with marketing, procurement, legal uh, technologies that we essentially have in place and we're all singing from the same hymn sheet. Um, and as I mentioned before, we're on the journey. We're not necessarily 100% there, but we've started putting the right things in place to get us there. Uh, it's a it's a it's a difficult one because privacy. I mean, every, everyone's being sued left, right, and and and, and center when it comes to you know the the bigger bosses like your Googles mm-hmm. and Facebooks of the, the 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 world, and that's still important. And it's going to be more important next year but i think the demand from consumers is exactly like you said i want to be able to go to a brand and and ask them what value are you actually giving me as a consumer by having my first party data what data do you have on me why do you have it what value it does it give me as a consumer and that's going to be more important and we as organizations need to go back and say this is what we're doing and this is uh, the value we want to give back to you um, so I think the emphasis on value exchange is going to be more important and embedded in marketing plans in the future. It is. Let's build that profile of our consumer and let's ensure we're speaking to them in the right way and that we're actually delivering the value that they, they want. Um, so, yeah, uh, there's a, there's a lot, lot, of, lot of change. Um, but I genuinely don't believe it's going to be a significant enough and because we ask, we, we we say we're a fast-paced industry and we're fast-moving and loads of things happens, um, but I feel like we, we talk about the same things year after year over and over again until it actually happens. Um, we're very good at looking ahead and going, oh, the trend for the next two, three years is robots and we're all going to be talking robots soon. Um, AI is going to be amazing and, yeah. and massive <laughs> and all that sort of fun, fun stuff, but re- realistically... Um, it's not (laughs) and we need to take the small steps that get us to the things that make larger impacts Um, so I feel first getting the right team in place upskilling the right individuals so they get to that level of understanding of the implications of first party data and what that could essentially mean for your business that is what needs to happen first before we start talking about the bigger picture broader thinking about you know someone signs up and straight away they're going to get an ad that talks to them about Mm. xyz and all this data will be automated and all that sort of fun fun stuff um first it needs to be let's understand our consumers let's see what they want from us and what we can give them in terms of value it's interesting that sort of education piece is something that's come up um, quite a lot when we've asked this question mm-hmm. I guess other people that have been on the podcast and also I think some of the brands that we speak to or yeah. owners or data partners who are sort of the most advanced in terms of what they're doing with their first party data is actually because I don't know like some something's happened that's meant they've really had to think about it whereas mm-hmm. As you said, like this kind of slow moving thing, 
like what GDPR happened in 2018, I think. Um, And obviously, like everyone's getting the right consent around their data and stuff. But I think people are still only just starting to begin that journey. Um, But yeah, really interesting points. I know you kind of touched on it then, um, but the AI piece. So do you think that's going to be a big change in the industry or not really? Um, from this is my, my my opinion, and other people around me might might say, yes, definitely, you know, copywriters beware. Um, <laughs> I, I I feel like we need to test it out first, and we need to understand its capabilities, and and also understand how do we integrate it into our current processes. How is it actually going to um, benefit us for the the better in terms of our current teams? How does it enhance their day to day and save them time so they can actually think about the broader strategic, larger, impactful stuff? So they don't focus too much on the day-to-day the reporting and all that sort of fun stuff um i definitely think it will have an, an impact but i just don't feel as though it will be as significant as it can be uh, there's still many issues with with with, with ai uh, when it comes to discrimination for example and how it mm-hmm. uh, collects its own uh data and you know i think that question around um whether or not uh, from a morality perspective it's the right thing to do whether or not i'll be talking to you in 10 years time about skynet and how it's going to completely destroy everything a terminator 2 sort of instance um i feel i feel it's it's the jury is still out there and i still need to get better grips and a better better grip and understanding of Okay, how do I use it in my day-to-day and how do I, my, does my team use it in my day-to-day and how is it going to benefit us uh, in showcasing value back to the, the the business? And I feel there's just going to be loads of articles written about it and loads of brands uh, investing small amounts of money and doing tests and creating uh, these workbooks, et cetera, to showcase the rest, you know, the rest. Oh, here's how we're using AI, blah, blah, blah. But I... Again, in two years' time, we'll still be talking and saying the same things, and you know, it'll be the year of AI in twenty uh, twenty eight. So, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm excited to see what it brings. But yeah, let's see. Um, anyway, Patrick, thank you so much um, for having this chat. It's been super interesting. Is there anything that you feel like you want or need to say that you haven't already mentioned? Uh, I, I think I've I think I've mentioned it all. It's uh, it's it's a lot. I, I I just want you know people to really take in the fact that it is all about honesty, transparency, and especially when it comes to data. And that's not necessarily just from us having transparent conversations with our partners and publishers, and you know getting them on 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 board with what we're attempting and trying to do. But that's also transparency with your consumers and ensuring that they're on this journey with with you as well. And you know when you are doing surveys and competitions or gathering data from consumers, it's making sure they're seeing value out of that. They're seeing the actual value um, from you collecting their data and you're able to provide better experiences to them. Um, that's the only thing I'd say. I, I just, I hate when I see so many like Instagram competitions where it's literally like, like, share, send this across to all your friends, tag everyone, please. And <laughs> it's like, you might win something, uh, this one thing that a million people are going to apply for and I feel like, because every brand is doing that now, consumers are really going back to, mm, 
is there a point in us doing that or me giving them my data because the chance of me winning is so slim and after I give my data I don't see anything apart from the emails that they send me afterwards because now I'm signed up Mm. I don't actually see any additional value or any personalization or anything that really speaks to me directly as a consumer and I think people will get fatigued eventually competition fatigue it'll just be like everyone's doing it everyone's competition I'm not even going to put myself for because I never win and we mm-hmm. need to not get to that point where people don't see the value in providing data to that particular brand and I mean it's, it's great for it's great for us because you know, we're trying to focus and be consumer first and deliver value. And it means when we do our ads, people go, oh, you know what? Bloody love Heineken. They always give me extra stuff back. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm now in a community where I'm talking to other people who have the same likeness, um, you know, same likes as me. And we're actually talking about inventing the new Heineken beer for for, for next year. And they have invited me mm-hmm. to the tasting. Do you know what I mean? Like they've invited me to the tasting so I can see what it tastes like and have my point of view put across. I'm involved. And I love that brand because it's given me that access. You know, that's where we want to essentially get to and i'd love for other brands to get there because i'm also a consumer and i want to see that value given back to me when i sign up to competitions that i'm never going to win yeah i mean that's exactly what the relationship between consumer and brand should be right yeah um thank you so much i guess my final question to you is that this podcast is all about individuals who've kind of pioneered new ways to use data to deliver better customer experiences mm-hmm. Um, so when you look at people you admire in the industry, who would you nominate for us to interview in an upcoming episode? Uh, people I admire in the industry. Um, I, I think Jacques uh, Edling, uh, and I've, I think he's currently head of programmatic at, at Starcom. And every like this, this guy is like not necessarily just a programmatic genius, but digital data technology every time I had an issue every time I had a problem every time I had a question I'd go to this guy and we'd literally have a half hour discussion and I'd come out of it thinking bloody hell I know significantly much more now than I previously used to and uh, you know I'm not ashamed to say I used to copy his work put it on presentations and claim it was mine because it was that (laughs) good and that that detailed and that to 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 the point and he's very frank and, and honest about what he puts forward I, I feel like he'd be a great addition I'd always want to hear him talk and want to hear him discuss um technology and the future of of technology and yeah so I think he will be a good addition to to the mix oh amazing exciting stuff and yeah hopefully we'll be able to get him on so thank <laughs> you so much cheers Patrick thank no, you no problem thank you for having me Thanks again to Patrick for joining us on Identity Architects. That was an awesome conversation and I found it fascinating to hear more about Heineken's approach to first party data. And in particular, Patrick touching on the balance between creativity and data. Too often we focus so heavily on the data side of things, but in reality, it's the creative that's always going to be what people engage with. All that leaves for me to do is to remind you to hit that subscribe button so you know when the next episode of Identity Architects lands. But until then, thanks for listening.